Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Apollo Audio Podcast. Welcome to the Apollo Audio Podcast. Where it's Miles. You've swapped seats, guys. It's like confusing me, so I'm going the wrong way around. So Miles Mitchell. Hello. Billy Hills. Hello. Me, Martin Lumsden. It's not my full name. You don't have to call me Me Martin. That's not not how it goes. Uh, Here with the Apollo Audio Podcast, talking about the 500 best albums of all time from the list that was published in September 2020 in Rolling Stone magazine, the American publication of some renown. Ever read Rolling Stone magazine? No. Yeah, yeah I've read it, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. This week's albums were The Indestructible Beat of Soweto, 497 on the list, and Norman Fucking Rockwell by Lana Del Rey. Norman Beep! Number 321 on the list. I like the fact it's got an exclamation mark at the end of it yeah. as well. It's not just Norman Fucking Rockwell. It's Norman Fucking Rockwell! Yeah. <laughs> I was telling my mates about it and I accidentally called it Norman fucking Wisdom. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Don't laugh at me. Because I'm a clown. It's Martin fucking Lambson. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Polo fucking Audio Podcast. That's the way, it's the future. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you know much about Norman Wisdom? No, it's near the name. <laughs> I was going to say, that's definitely before your time. It's before my time. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Grimsdale. <laughs> That's one for the elderly people listening. <laughs> so, yeah, so those are our two albums this week. Shall we go in the traditional highest number first order? Yes. Yeah. Okay, because we're both pretty high. We're in, we're in the top half or bottom half of the, of the draw for both of these this week, really. But certainly at the very lower reaches of this top 500 is the indestructible beat of Soweto. Uh, various artists album barely uh, making it in it had been higher previous 388 on the previous <laughs> list so it's dropped down quite a bit Rolling Stone magazine said the greatest album ever to be marketed under the heading world music it says the greatest album there it says just at the start of that I should say this 1985 compilation of South African pop was a huge influence on Paul Simon's Graceland know that album? No, Paul Simon's Graceland? no no okay uh, still sounds jarringly fresh today, full of funky loping beats and gruff howling wolf style vocals, most prominently from Goat Voiced Star. Goat Voiced? Is that, a, is that a, I don't know, that's, that doesn't sound like a, um, a compliment. Uh, <laughs> Malathini. A sweet track by Graceland collaborators Ladysmith Black Mambazo. It's badass joy needed no translation. Uh, so, what did you know? about music from South Africa, particularly the musicians of Soweto, <laughs> in around about 1985. I can name was, a, was this familiar to you? Absolutely not. I can name you a couple of South African bands, I think. Could you? That would be, that'd be uh, good going. Seether, okay. like a heavy rock band. Yeah. And is it Diant World? I don't know how to say their name. They're like, oh, Diant World, yeah. Yeah, them two. Yeah, yeah good going. Yeah. Uh, no, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. And this was a complete... Um, uh, I mean, when we read it out last week, uh, yeah, I had no, no idea. But then I suppose as soon as you play it, you go, okay, yeah, the sound yeah. of South, I've been to Africa. And you're like, okay, okay. yeah, this is the sound of, embodies the culture. Yeah. Um, but knew nothing about it, yeah. But pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. So that's exactly my words about it this was week, like yeah. It was like, 
I mean, I think we spoke about this on the Toots and the Maytales album. Like, you've got to be a very, very twisted, dark person to not even enjoy yeah. Yeah. something. And this is the same. I think every song's in a major key. Yeah. It's all feel good. Um, there's that one a cappella track that's, that's actually good. I just think, yeah, it was uh, great energy. Mm. And compared to what's coming next, which was quite yeah. the antithesis, <laughs> yeah. um, it was feel good stuff. I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. You? I got literally. So taking the words out of my mouth I've got two to the Maytales vibes as soon yeah. as I put it on got that same sort of vibe yeah it's just happy makes you feel good yeah doesn't it so uh, yeah and I think like what's my favourite track of a favourite to it I can't pronounce it it's like the fourth track in I want to say Indunda Yes I can't even say that oh yeah yeah, yeah, that, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was my and the drums on that are amazing drums are cool and like guitar I guitar riffs are quite intricate yeah. aren't they yeah there's a lot of like good musicianship going on and vocals really really cool yeah and I thought oh, Again, was one of the things should like various artists track or like a Grace Hits be on the album list? I suppose my my quick thinking on it was various artists is not the same as greatest hits. Yeah. Or or to put it another way, there seems to be a purpose behind this compilation, yeah. which is yeah. the purpose of it is to represent the yeah. music of Soweto, South Africa. So in order to do that, it's going to be a, a compilation album, and yeah. that does make sense to me. Different. I, I mean, if you had sort of now. 40 on there as a compilation album that would feel weird <laughs> but there's a purpose behind this and not quite the same as a greatest hits which i still feel a little bit mm. uncomfortable about so yeah it's nice. and our it's our first uh non-english language album as well i don't know how many mm. more of mm. those there will be this is the first one that's obviously they're they're, um, they're not uh there are no english lyrics on this i don't think there's any mm. english lyrics on it i didn't hear any i might have tuned out Did you pick up any of the yeah. language any words no, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I mean, you kind of, for me, and I don't really, as, as you both know, lyrics for me actually always come, which I may be right or wrong, but normally come secondary to like melody and vibe and overall instrumental value of a, of a song. And this had it in abundance where just great, great vibes, amazing vocal harmonies. Mm. Like really impressed with that. There was the a cappella song, um, which... Nancy Imali, mm. which was I think the last track, and it was all in like three or maybe four or five part harmony. Yeah, just the whole track, and you know it's like really hard to do because mm. like, the melody was kind of like mm. all over the place, yeah. and everything was um, beautifully harmonised. And I thought it was great. And you might know Mar more, Martin, but this was all in a backdrop of social sort of injustices at the time in. In in, it's still, sweater, I, th isn't I it? think I'm right in saying this is still uh, apartheid era South Africa. I don't think they've completely um, diminished it. It's around about the time, yeah, it was like yeah, late '80s when uh, Nelson Mandela was uh, released from right. prison. I think so. You're definitely, I, I, if you're not still in apartheid era, and I think you probably are. So this is the era of um, anti-apartheid concerts, like the Free Nelson Mandela concert. Yeah, you've got the specials. Uh, free Nelson Mandela track you've got I Ain't Gonna Play Sun City was another big big track because it was all sort of yeah uh, you know the, the, the whole culture of South Africa at that time and, and perhaps it's, obviously they're still escaping some of the history of that was apartheid mm. um, you know, a complete separation of uh, white and black cultures mm. so yeah for, I think from that point of view not just significant in its world music um, thing, but the exposure of the black music of South Africa was probably quite a big deal culturally. Mm. I think mm. certainly right, with Graceland, which is you know a very famous album by Paul Simon, um, to a degree now suffers from accusations of cultural appropriation, which is a sort of a modern 
take on. <laughs> I'm, I've been inspired by the music of another another culture, but mm. say, yeah, but you've taken that and made money from it. Did, they, <laughs> did any of that get fed back? But mm. I think there were, you know, there were artists like they said, Lady Slith, Mac, Black, and Man Basil, who did feature on that album as well. I'm sure they were credited. Well, they definitely were credited and probably profited from it in mm. at least some way. Mm. But yeah, you're right. It was a big, uh, big deal. So it was released in 85, wasn't it? Yeah. What, were they, the tracks all recorded in 85 or were they just a collection of songs from that? Oh, I don't, I don't know enough about that, to be honest. I, that's a really good question. I don't know where the collection was from and I didn't read that anywhere. Well, I can tell you, it was a bit, I, I, I haven't done the, uh, do you want the facts? Do you want the indestructible oh, yes. beats of South, <laughs> Soweto facts? Yeah. Um, tracks cover four different styles. Uh, and I'm going to struggle with the pronunciations in here as well. Makanga, Makashio, Maskanda, and Isikathiamia. The former two are the least traditional sounding of the styles, while the latter two incorporate elements of urban and rural music. Released prior to the more commercially successful Graceland by Paul Simon, it was one of the first albums of contemporary South African music to be widely available outside of the country. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. The leading critic, Robert Christgau, called it the most important record of the 80s. Wow. So he was clearly quite impressed. Uh, 1985 was the year of Dire Straits' Brothers in Arms, Phil Collins' No Jacket Required, Kate Bush, The Hounds of Love, and Madonna, Like a Virgin. Those were the sort of big commercial hits uh, albums of that year. The biggest movie of that year was Back to the Future. Is it? <laughs> that was the biggest hit movie of the year and 1985 uh, I mean going back to that sort of cult- cultural issue mm. as well that is the year of Live Aid ah, uh, okay. July the 13th 1985 concerts held at Wembley Stadium in London and the John F. Kennedy Stadium in Philadelphia which raised over 70 million dollars for African famine relief didn't Phil Collins do all three or at least two of them didn't he, he did two yeah mm. that was the sort of the well it was one it was one of the amazing feats <laughs> of, uh, of Live Aid was that he'd, he'd played at Wembley and then he hopped on Concord and flew over to Philadelphia and played there as well wow although I'm sure I've heard stories that by the time he got there he was so knackered he was like rubbish when he actually played at Philadelphia because mm. he was just tired jet lagged <laughs> <laughs> all over the place didn't know the songs <laughs> who's that the- guy on drums <laughs> did you ever get on the Concord? no no never been on Concord no no got it did you? no <laughs> I thought you said I did. I was like, that's amazing. How old were you? <laughs> no, no, never been on, never been on Concord. I did see Live Aid though. I, I, am, old, I am old enough to have seen it. Yes. Were you there? No. Oh no, I wasn't there. I was in, I was in Edinburgh. I wasn't that old. I suppose I, suppose I was, was old 80s... enough to have gone, but I didn't. Eighty-six. Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Was that the Freddie Mercury one? No, Live Aid. Well, I mean, it's it's the one that Queen. Uh, kind of owned it yeah. really it's not the, the Freddie Mercury the, there was a Freddie Mercury concert at um, Wembley which was oh, no, after, not, after, after, after he, he died, died yeah. um, sorry I meant, I meant Queen it just he was just on yeah, fire yeah they did a sort day. of 20 minute set that kind of yeah. blew and it's one of the examples I use to bands who, if they ever complain that said oh, I'm supposed to be playing live but they're only giving me 20 minutes that's not enough I was like mm. it was enough for Queen yeah <laughs> I think you can do it if you, want, if you want to put a good set together in 20 minutes you can do it mm. <laughs> to be fair yeah just takes a little bit of thought but yeah, it was a, a. I mean, Live Aid's a whole. We could do a whole other podcast on Live Aid. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite a because the, there had never been an, an event like that. Basically, right? But you could almost kind of say that's the start of stadium gigs. It's not quite true. The reason that they thought they could do that, or that it had been an idea, is because I think Bruce Springsteen had started doing stadium that sort of scale stadium gigs. Right. Okay. Um, on the 
born in the USA tour, I think. So that sort of allowed that idea, concept of this, of an audience of that scale. Um, but it's like a billion people on watching that worldwide on TV. Wow. In two different places. Amazing. And Who flopped? Who didn't impress? Uh, there's, I mean, there's a famous, or that's not that famous, but I thought, maybe I just remember it, but there was a Duran Duran who played in Philadelphia, but they hadn't, I think they'd hadn't played together for about two years. They'd sort of all fallen out with each other a little bit and had gone on hiatus and then come back. Um, so they weren't really properly rehearsed, I don't think. And there's just, there's like audio of Simon Le Bon squeaking his way through because he couldn't hit the high notes basically so he's kept, his voice kept breaking as he was going through mm-hmm. so it wasn't their best performance but Queen were in the same boat weren't they, weren't they? Queen had just kind of had a would, having a that, hiatus that, that, or something or Freddie had just gone and done that other album or? that may be true but I think I think anyone I mean even me as a fan of Duran Duran I think equating Simon the Bond's lyrical um, or sorry vocal ability <laughs> to Freddie Mercury is probably yeah <laughs> someone's definitely coming out a winner on that one <laughs> it's Man City versus Preston <laughs> kind of yeah it yeah. could could do a good show on the day yeah. but overall the league table doesn't lie <laughs> sort of thing anyway I get, uh, yeah so that's that's a whole different thing 1985 yeah so you're right big big uh, uh, cultural um, stuff going on yeah is that why an album like this sort of uh, the sound of Soweto is a I don't know why, why, why did it have the impact that it does is that partly a bit of hey look how cool we are because we're like in touch with South Africa and mm. the, uh, do you know what I mean it's yeah. a kind of a it's the the opportunity to look like you're being in touch by yeah. buying a record <laughs> I, <laughs> kind of, that, yeah, I understand yeah. the world I'm in touch with everything man yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. again musically it is good as well I yeah. don't think I'm going to r- r- stick on again straight away and it's not going to be one of my favourite albums but I did thoroughly yeah. enjoy it. But I'm it. sure there'd be a lot of albums yeah. on that list which we'd dislike way more yeah. than this. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah in fact, yeah. Like, this was enjoyable. This yeah. was like something... Yeah, there's nothing to very much dislike. You know, I, no. I, I, I do uh, regular broadcast stuff and work with uh, guys over in South Africa oh, in, yes. in Johannesburg. And the interesting thing, I mentioned this album to uh, Julian that I do the shows with. Never heard of it. <laughs> it's I, thought that, mo- I thought that was interesting well it's, I'm guessing it's the most commercially accepted appreciated album of this sort of genre right of this, of this sound I, I guess the, what, what occurred to me then is yes outside of South Africa yeah because it's sort of it's, it's external right it's, yes. it's being presented mm. outside whereas inside South Africa it felt to me like Julian was like well I, I haven't heard of that because inside South Africa it's not a thing Right. Outside of South Africa, it is a thing. So yeah. like, I'm listening to South African music. He'd never heard of the album. And it, like, it's supposedly one of the 500 greatest albums of all time, <laughs> according to Rolling Stone. And yet someone from South Africa is going, I've never heard of that. Which is, you know, South Africa is a huge place. And See, it's and also I'm... a long time ago. So that's not that doesn't really mean anything much, except I just found it... I wonder if the people in South Africa say, oh, no, you know, that's like... You know, we do with more pop music. Oh, that's really commercial. That album, yeah. that's that really commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you hear these you unknown want, Yeah, you want African to hear the real South African artists. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I'm, I'm sure that's uh, to a degree true. Because you can, and you can hit, see that, I mean, we've all enjoyed it. So what is that, you know, there is, not that we wouldn't enjoy potentially more sort of, um, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, is, is it definitely does have a commercial appeal, this album. Yeah major key I mean if you look at just all the tick boxes how to make someone tap along and smile yeah. by listening to a song this ticks a lot of the boxes yeah. vocal harmonies mm-hmm. uh, major keys 
you know, good tempos, feel good music, great drums. It's like hard not to like. Yeah. But this is kind of the sound that I do and I don't know anything about South African music, but this is the sound that when I went there and you hear bits on sort of like radios and things like that, this is, you know, o overly the sound. And I suppose you call it like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's taken borrowings from many different genres, isn't it? It's like, it's not reggae, but it's, you can definitely hear like yeah. the reggae vibe in it. Definitely, definitely like Caribbean. Like Caribbean, like, yeah. almost, but like pop music as yeah. well, like the vocal melodies, you know? And um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually pleased because you said it was lower down, Martin, on the list and it's jumped up. It's I think it's good to have that. No, the other way around, unfortunately. It was it was previously number 300. Sorry, that's what I meant. It's, it's, got, it's fallen down the list. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully it stays in because I think, um, you know, there's going to be loads of pop albums, commercial pop albums, commercial mm. sort of, of different genres but this yeah. this would be one of its own I'm I sure I haven't stays in there. looked through the list in, in like huge depth like, but my gut instinct is there's not going to be anything else that's very much like this yeah. like that has yeah. a sort of a, a various artist representation of a particular culture world music yeah type thing I'm not I don't remember seeing anything that stood out that sort of oh that's in that same ballpark yeah. this seems to be potentially the one that is of that nature, which in, it, in, in itself maybe shows the strength of it as a collection and as yeah. a representation of world music and because it's accessible and commercial and good. I will say that, you know, 40, nearly 40 years later, I'm now uh, say, being exposed quite a lot to a lot of South African music and it's great music that comes mm -hmm. out of South Africa. There's a lot of fantastic uh, artists and music like you've already mentioned a couple of sort of well-known but, but you get that sort of heavy rock sound that comes out of South Africa but you get the more traditional instrumentation you get the um you know, the, the various various cultural top points different dis, distant different languages and dialects that are being expressed in the music as well uh still going on all sort of uh, culturally and reaching outside of South Africa as well and having commercial success elsewhere yeah uh, as well and we can now be those dicks at a party, can't we? Have you heard? Have you heard the various? Yeah. You know the introduction. Uh, have, well. have, have you really, not heard that one? Uh, yeah. oh, I know, right. I know um, you might have Graceland, but have you listened to <laughs> the indestructible uh, <laughs> sound of Soweto? Because you know, uh, yeah, we're those guys now. <laughs> <laughs> we are those guys. I, uh, I think I was always one of those guys. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. You? Yeah, very Martin, much. Martin, so. you enjoy it? I did it. I did enjoy it. Yeah, I said it's. Um, I can't confess to kind of having anything sort of jump out at me as being particularly distinctively memorable uh in terms of, oh yeah i absolutely love that or anything um but as you said similar to the uh toots and the maytals um i think there's another one as well that we saw it's, well me even that uh, charles mingus one that sort mm -hmm. of uh you know music that can soundtrack your event your occasion your life it's it's, it's there and you go yeah I, I'm, I'm really pleased to be exposed to that kind mm -hmm. of music because it's mm -hmm. not it having to do any sort of marmite thing to me. It's like you said, it's basically, it's just joyous, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that it's like music yeah. for having, <laughs> it's this musicians having fun. Yeah. Right. Um, but what I mean, whilst also perhaps, uh, um, presenting a message as well, but basically it's just like, we like playing instruments. We like being in a band. We like making yeah. music. And it's nice experiencing genres that we're not, like you say, we're not always exposed to in, you know, society, radio, TV. It's nice to, We've been quite fortunate with our with our picks, but it's been a lot of like you said, like with the with the Mingus jazz album. Yeah, um, we've been lucky to have these genres that we wouldn't maybe otherwise 
always be our go-to listens, but actually it takes you to a place when you listen to it. And it's always a feel good and a different sort of emotion than just straight up sort of pop commercial sort of culture. Yep. So yeah, I just want the sun out, having a beer, <laughs> yeah. listen, listening to, uh, listen to this. Great. Cool. Okay. Are we going to score? Am I starting? Mm. Go on, Billy. Three and a half. Can I do that? 3.5. <laughs> you always want to sneak out. Everyone wants to sneak a half in, don't they? No one's prepared to commit. <laughs> I'm in the same place. I was going to go three, but I don't know. If, if, if this came up in conversation, like world music, I would then say, oh, you it's, should, it's definitely my favourite world music album. You should take a listen. So I'm going to go four. So we'll bump up. I'll go four then. Okay. I'll go four because I would recommend. Yeah. I think I'd go in the, in the um, I think I'd go in the worth a listen category. I think I'd go three. 11 and a half. Well, that's, that's, up there. that's on the leaderboard. <laughs> Hang on, we're just checking the leaderboard. It's above, it's above 10. <laughs> it's just below Outcast. And what did we do last week? That one, wasn't it? What was winning? Last week we did... Uh, Californication and... Charles Mingus. Oh, yeah. Californication. Acacia, which I think yeah. was winning, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we all enjoyed that. We're, we like our traditional white rock right yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Okay. That was... Uh, I keep forgetting because it's, it's a great title as well The Indestructible Beat of Soweto Album number one We'll move on to album number two For this week, imminently The Apollo Audio Podcast But before we do that, I had the great pleasure of talking to Gavin Thomas, a man who started listening to the top 500 albums on Boxing Day 2020 and completed the entire list on Christmas Eve 2021. So he's done what we are attempting to do and he did it in a very, very short period of time. I caught up with him over Zoom a couple of weeks ago. Hi, Gavin. Hello there. How did you come across this list? And for, first of all, are you a, are you a Rolling Stone follower, or is it one of those things that you went, oh, they've produced a list. I'll have a look. Uh, well, it, it came about really kind of strangely. So uh, I was listening to uh, another podcast about Manic Street Preachers, and they'd listened to the entire discography of the band, and uh-huh. at the end they were discussing other ways of discovering music or how you could listen to music. And they talked about this Rolling Stone list, and one of the presenters said, "But no one would be stupid enough to try and listen to that in a year." And I thought, well, this is it's an interesting idea. <laughs> Challenge accepted, you yeah. said to yourself. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I was like, yeah, I, I reckon I could do that. And then, yeah, kind of idly cooking uh, Boxing Day curry the day after Christmas. I thought, yeah, I'll start doing it. Fantastic. So how did you approach it? If you kind of thought, I've got 500 albums to listen to. Did, did you set yourself a deadline? Was it just, I'll see how I get on? Or what, what did you have? A, was there a thought process or just, I'll see how this goes? There was and there wasn't. I, I wanted to do it in a year and I yeah. thought it's doable. And I divided 500 albums by 365 days. And I worked out if I listened to 9.1 albums a week, I could probably do it. But I thought, oh, if I don't, it doesn't matter. And I think yeah. when I started and I was writing little short blog pieces on Facebook to go with it, yeah, I was thinking, well, it doesn't doesn't really matter if I don't finish it. And I didn't I didn't ever think I would finish it to be honest, because yeah. it seemed unlikely. I, I can remember being so pleased when I got to fifty and I thought, oh that's really good. And then I realised I had another four hundred and fifty to listen to. 
<laughs> and and, and it seemed quite quite a rare journey I was about to take myself yeah, on. Yeah, that must seem like a long a long way away when you've got that early on. You started at five hundred, I, I think, if I'm right. You started at the at the beginning and worked your way to the top of the list. I did, and that means you're starting with the worst ones. <laughs> the thin edge of the list, if you like, and kind of, oh, is that, was it harder work? Did it get easier as it went on? Bizarrely, no. Uh, I, I think it, it was in waves. So I consciously didn't look at anything more than 20 records ahead at any one point. Uh-huh. So I never knew more than the, the 20 records I was about to listen to in order. Because I wanted to listen to new stuff. I'd fallen into a bit of a rut of uh-huh. listening to the same 10 bands. And thinking, no, I needed to listen to new music other than uh, I constantly try to uh, listen to new music in kind of the metal genre, which is uh-huh. where my real interest is. But at the start of it, there's some really great records early on. Arcade Fire's Funeral is 500. And that, yeah, that's the first my, one. Yeah. Did that make you feel like, oh, this is going to be OK? Well, it did. Yeah. And then I think two records in, then I'm listening to uh, Suicide, which I had heard before and I, I've mm-hmm. never really liked. And uh, Marvin Gaye's Hear My Dear, which is a lot of hard work, to be honest. <laughs> and, and I think the point I was about to give up quite early on was when there was a Boys to Men album. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I mentioned a lot when I was writing my little micro blogs that I've got a real tin ear for pop and for R&B particularly. Yeah. And I thought, I can't listen to this. And then it got easier. And I think it came in waves. You know, Quite early on, there's some interesting records. Yeah. Uh, Black Flags. Uh, Damage, uh, First Uge's record. You know, there, there's lots of good records early on. And, and yeah. because of the way the list is compiled, where they've got journalists, musicians, producers to vote for stuff, there's no obvious kind of dips in quality. I think, bizarrely, some of the top 50, I thought, were actually poorer yeah. than some of the earlier ones. And it's it's an interesting list in that... It goes in cycles, and, and in my head, there's a hundred records that would have to be in that top five hundred, not yeah. necessarily the top hundred. And then the other four hundred is open to quite a lot of debate. Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit as well. That that sense of there's like exactly as you said, there's probably there's great records that would always be on the list, no, no matter what position they would be in that five hundred, they'll always be there. To let you behind the curtain a bit, I didn't listen to all five hundred because there were some that were unavailable. Uh huh. And I made the decision I wasn't listening to any box sets. Uh-huh. Just because life was too short, really. You know? so. <laughs> we decided not to go through the list in order. We thought we'll just pick uh, albums at random because that would sort of lead us down interesting paths of connectivity, potentially. I, um, I think that would have been an interesting way to do it. I think because I was looking at it in quite I don't know, a project-based way, it just seemed easier to do that 500 and just follow the list. Yeah. Was there anything on the list that you thought, oh, I can't believe I've never heard this before? Yeah, quite a few uh, things. It was a Roberta Flack record, uh, Richard and Linda Thompson's I Want to See the Bright Lights, which I was convinced I had here, but I had right, yeah. a Fiona Apple I became a, quite a fan of. Yeah. And then some newer stuff that I kind of consciously, because I, my my eldest son had listened to, but uh, tried to get me to listen to Kendrick Lamar, and I was like, no, I'm uh-huh. not. Kendrick Lamar and then a couple of his albums on the list and they're really good uh, Frank Ocean the yep. Orange album and so they were newer stuff that I was interested in uh, reframe my views on Kanye West a little uh-huh. 
Yeah, we've we've had a Kanye West album already, but it was 808s and Heartbreaks, which I think we all kind of think possibly not the best example of his work. But, you know, it's there. I, I think it's the poorest of the ones I, I listened to for the yep. list. I think there's six of his albums on the list in total. Yep. There are definitely artists that feels like they've got a lot on there. Was there any kind of that you really kind of went, I have no idea why this is in this top 500? Oh, a number. <laughs> a, a, a number. Uh, Shania Twain uh-huh. still makes very little sense to me. Uh, I'm a massive Amy Winehouse fan, but I was con- I was shocked to see how high up the list she was. Because uh-huh. I, I love uh, Back to Black. It's, yeah. it's a great album. Is it the 32nd best album of all time? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. You know, uh, other records that I was really surprised to see on there. Lots of the newer stuff, uh, Lord, her album, a very good album. Yeah. But what have we got? This uh, uh, we're doing one that's oh, the Lana Del Rey album, um, which is from 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, 2019, same with Billie Eilish, um, her album's on there as well. It feels like it's very soon to be putting that in your 500 best albums of all time. I feel like you should go, if it's within the last three to five years, maybe exclude it. Yeah, there's a Bad Bunny album on there as well. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, okay. I, well, I did Bad Bunny previous to that, but I think that's from 2019 yeah, as well. Yeah. So we've got we've got that one to look forward to. Was there anything you hated? Uh, well, there were two I found almost impossible to listen to, and it took a number of efforts. Which was uh, a more prohibido by Selena. Uh-huh. Which it was just the production that killed it for me. So oh, okay. it's a 1991 record that yeah. genuinely sounds like a Madonna record from 1983. <laughs> it, it sounds like early Madonna and uh, Miles Davis's "Bitches Brew." Oh, really? Which yeah, I, I just wasn't in a great frame of mind that day, and then yeah. to listen to something that requires that much listening. Yeah. And, and I think I had to make compromises in the way I listen. I, I don't have time to sit down and listen to nearly three hours of music every day in a really focused way. So yeah. walk into a train station for work in the morning, walking back from work, walking yeah. the dog. Yeah, no, they, they were the times I was listening to these albums, so I wasn't always given the full attention. Yeah. And I think that Miles Davis record, if I went back to it, I might be able to give her a bit more time and space. The Selena record, I, I will not listen Oh dear. To. You mentioned box sets already, which has come as a bit of a, a, a shock to me that there's that, that we've got box sets coming up. But I'd, I'd, I'd already sort of planned to ask you, what was your thoughts on the uh, rightness, or want of a better word, of having greatest hits albums on the list? Whenever greatest hits came up on the blog, my view was I wasn't sure why they were on an album list because for me, an album captures a time and a place in an artist's career. Yeah. You know, if you think, if I think of a band I love, like the Charlatans, yeah. none of the Charlatans albums sound alike because it depends what they're listening to at the time, where they're producing it, who's producing it. And if you listen to a greatest hits of them, it feels a bit up and down. Yeah. It's the same with these great, there's like Tina Turner greatest hits on it. Yeah. And, and it's just weird because there's like four different versions in that were City Limits. And I'm thinking, she has done better work than this. If yes. you really need to have one of her albums on you, she has done better work than this. Was there anyone you really felt was like, I, that's missing? Was there anyone that's been overlooked unfairly? The punk and metal genres are poorly served by the, uh, by the list, to yeah. be honest. You know, uh, uh, I think uh, Slayer's Reign in Blood, hugely influential record. I could have found a place on it. Uh, yeah. 
suffer by bad religion, you know, kind of kind of melodic hardcore kind of stuff, really, really influential. Yeah. But you know, that's personal taste, sure. I suppose. There's no really, really big artists where I would say, well, I'm surprised there's not a lot of their work on there. Yeah. I'm surprised how much by the Who was on there. I thought there was a lot of that and Pink Floyd. Yeah. But again, that's possible personal taste. I know you've done an episode on the Lauren Hill record. Now I really yeah. like that record and that's yeah. one of the few R and B records I would consider a one I really, really like. I'm not sure that's the tenth best record ever, but then you know yeah. that's where the voting took it. Did you agree with number one? Is that is that kind of yeah okay? I get it. Fair enough. Well, I get it. Yeah, I, I yeah. think the, the top two. I think you could argue, yeah, definitely deserve a place in there. Uh, I really love Johnny Mitchell's Blue. That's yep. one of my favorite albums. Uh, so I I had no real issue with the top ten apart from that Lauren Hill record, and yeah. even then I could see the value of it being in there. Excellent. So we've got, we, as I said, we've still got about 480 albums to uh, go. Is there anything that we should look forward to particularly, do you think? Is there anything that kind of went, oh, the, the time that the day that I listened to that was a good day? Uh, well, if I was picking up the ones that more stick in my head as the, the best ones, uh, I would say Fiona Apple's Extraordinary Machine. Yeah. I, I really, really like that. Uh, in terms of other surprises on there, uh, well, not surprised by a record I hadn't heard before that just blew me away was uh, Amazing Grace by Aretha Franklin, the Live uh-huh. Gospel album. That's absolutely superb. And you know, from my metal point of view, got Metallica's Master of Puppets to look forward to, which is the finest, finest album in the genre for me. Excellent. But, um, well, that's great because that's three albums that I've never heard. Uh, so when we get the chance to get around to those, uh, that's something to look forward to. Gavin. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Uh, it's been, it been, been brilliant. Are you going to listen to them again? Some of them. <laughs> not start, not all 500, though. No, I, I think I'm going to look for another project a bit later in the year, but uh, I think it'll be smaller, no more yeah. than 100. But somebody must have done a metal list. There's got to be the best 100 Roll, uh, metal Roll, albums. Of Rolling all Stone have the best 100 metal albums. There you go. <laughs> but uh, I have toyed with the idea of uh, doing the list, but the first two records are both records I absolutely detest. So it, uh, <laughs> that doesn't, that's not promising. <laughs> it's kept me at arm's list. It's just a genre thing. It's just metal being such a broad genre. You know, yeah. it's, uh, and I, I've become a bit uh, parochial, perhaps. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing what you get up to next, Gavin. And uh, thanks for uh, sharing your uh, insights and your experience on the list, because uh, so we've got a long way to go, especially at two a week. Thanks, take care Thank you Right The fabulous sounds of the blues band Filtering through from next door at the studio today Apollo Audio here Can we say who's in the blues band? Yes, of course Paul Jones, blues band Of the Manfreds Of the Manfreds That's what you can hear right now. If my gate on my microphone's not working properly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Album number two on our uh, program this week is by Lana Del Rey, released on August the 30th, 2019. Huh? And is called Norman Fucking Rockwell. Uh, This was, what number was this? Number 321 on the list. So that's quite high. It's especially for surprised me how 
early like recent stroke that's been released 2019 and it's on the list already I think you've got to give it an album a bit oh, like more than like five years to sort of have like I'd say if you're on the top 500 list that's like legend, legendary status isn't it the album's <coughs> massive and it's only, it's only been a couple of years really hasn't it so that surprised me it's even on the list yeah I think they're saying it was a bit of a phenomenon but I feel I, I think I, I agree with you. It's like, well, um, let's first level. Let's do. Let's do. Let's do the thing we do. Lana Del Rey. We've all heard of Lana Del Rey, right? This wasn't, heard of her. This no. wasn't new to us as an, I, I, as an artist. No. I heard, heard of, of her. Never listened to a single song of hers, and that's right. why I was really. I thought she was like going to be a like pop like Dua Lipa and stuff like that. I oh, didn't yeah. know she was like got like Taylor Swift sort of vibes, or like the more yep. the album tracky sort of stuff. Like, um, what's the album we listened to? Red or 2012, whatever it was called. Uh, we listened to Red, yeah. Red. So got that sort of vibe from her and quite pleasantly surprised. And I'm sure we'll go into more detail of it. Do you know anything from her? Yeah, I mean, it was like she was massive in like 2013, 14. Like she Breakthrough was, probably was about that time, yeah. She was huge. She was all over the... She was did all the award shows. Well, I think won, the, won, some, won some Brit Awards. I think maybe even won a Grammy. Was her... That was the Born to Die, was it? Born to... Born to Die was the first album, I yeah. think, yeah. And that was a bit more, though it was still sort of in this vein, but it was certainly a bit more commercial. But this album was slightly deeper, mm. I think. That was good. And I mean, the quote that stood out for me on something I read was that she said was, um, she, I hope she wants her music to be more of a psychological endeavour than uh. digested than pop music. Yeah. And I think it, this album screamed it out. Does she do like cheesy pop stuff? That to me, it was never cheesy. Not cheesy. It was never cheesy. Well, I suppose it depends on what you call cheesy. But no, I don't think so. That probably more sort of torch song type stuff. Is she not, like, not, is not, she a songwriter? Certainly not in the sort yeah. of the Dua Lipa pop stuff. I think stuff. she. I think she always wants to be seen as a songwriter first before Does the singer. Does she play? Yeah, I think uh, as a writer, but you know, you know, she's not really playing on stage. I don't think she's normally uh, just just vocal. Because there's so many piano tracks. I wondered if she was actually playing the piano. Well, she did most of the album with. With an, with one with one guy, didn't she? Let, let me let me read you what it says in Rolling Stone and give you some uh, Norman fucking Rockwell facts. Thank you, Martin. How do you say how do you say asterisk? <laughs> in, uh, well, you say asterisk, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I love that we're being soundtracked here. It's yeah. great. We got, we got a soundtrack going on today. Uh, Lana, this is from Rolling Stone magazine. Lana Del Rey became a music blog sensation playing the poker-faced millennials Nancy Sinatra on her debut single, Video Games. She kept growing as an artist and on her wonderfully titled sixth album perfected the epic vision of a doomed decadent 70s steeped California romance on songs like Mariner's Apartment Complex and the nine-minute crusher Venice Bitch. Del Rey dropped references to the Eagles and Graham Nash merging her own music into the Laurel Canyon canon. No less an authority on 70s greatness than Elton John called the album's songs timeless. This is Lana Del Rey's sixth studio album, amazingly. Uh, she's had two out since this as well <laughs> it was even more really? amazing yeah so this came out in 2019 she's released two more albums since then uh, primarily produced by Del Rey and Jack Antonoff I think is who you were um, mm -hmm. um, referring to Jack Antonoff I mean he's the, one of the go-to producers of the current uh, age isn't he he's worked as songwriter and record producer with various artists including probably most famously Taylor Swift uh, Lord and St. Vincent. Ooh, I like Lord, yeah. Uh, Pitchfork wrote that the album establishes Del Rey as one of America's greatest living songwriters. 
The Daily Telegraph wrote that the album reveals Del Rey to be something of a one-trick pony, but what a beautiful trick it is. <laughs> what a backhanded compliment. <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, it was NME voted it as the best album of 2020. Uh, <laughs> in the United Kingdom, Norman fucking Rockwell debuted at number one on the album chart, becoming her fourth number one album in the UK, tying Taylor Swift as the female artist with the most solo number one albums in the UK during the 2010s. I not that big over here. Oh, she was massive. Yeah, I mean, but it hit number one. It didn't. It's. It's not. It wasn't one of the biggest sellers, but it was. It was kind of a big seller in the week that it came out. So oh, I think okay. you've got quite a big fan base that goes and gets yeah. it. And then it. It wasn't one of the biggest sell. Biggest selling albums of the uh, year actually were Lewis Cavalli, yeah, George Ezra, and the top movie in 2019 was Avengers Endgame. Nice. I mean, this is one of my like you just like said it. One of my issues with this album, before we get into the album itself, was 2019 feels like it was yesterday. Yeah, I know. How can you give an album like best of all time when it's? You know, I didn't love time. Maybe it is, but it feels like it's not long enough. Yeah, I feel like it should be maybe five years. That's what I think. It's got to have been, it's yeah, been five yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah, and then funny. you can start saying, right, is it one of the best albums of all time? Because yeah. if it just come out, you're just going, you're excited about it, yeah, right? Definitely. It's kind of yeah, it's just current and new. And having said all of that, it is in the list. Do we know who? She was international breakthrough act for the Brits 2012. She was international female <coughs> solo artist 2013. Yeah. So, so we're ten years into her career, which surprised me as well. I can't believe that. Yeah. Do we know who Norman Rockwell is? <laughs> Billy, you do this to me every week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he's a, he was either an artist or an author. I can't remember. From the 70s. I, I didn't, realize, I didn't I get remember the whole which. 70s thing. I didn't realise it's like a story. I can't believe yeah. that you've asked me the question. Why do you always ask the question I don't know the answer to? Unbelievable. I assume he's on the front cover. <laughs> no, on the front cover uh, with Lana Del Rey is uh, Jack Nicholson's grandson oh any reason for that i think i think i read that somewhere uh norman rockwell's a painter american painter with a broad popular appeal in the united states for his reflection of american culture born 1894 uh so there you go uh so yeah Lana. De- so yeah the album sorry we drifted mm. <laughs> what did we think pleasantly surprised as i said before i think i was expecting some pop hits and it to be the same throughout that yeah but and it's quite a sad album, wasn't it? Two complete contrasts. But one of my favourite songs I've heard this year, I know we're only a month in, was that Doing Time. Loved that song. I, knew I that. put that on repeat. That's, that was my favourite as well. That I thought, I, w- I wanted more of that. She doesn't do too much vocal range. She does sit. She's yeah. very comfortable with her voice. She doesn't do too much higher stuff. She does just sit in that bit. So it can get a little bit samey if you've got the same old piano stuff. But I, did, I quite liked it. I think it's quite refreshing. That Doing Time is quite groove and then, Yeah, thought. yeah. Yeah. And then you've got that in there, and I was like, oh, I, w- I wanted more of that, but right. that's gone, gone straight out of my playlist, and yeah. And th- I quite liked Venice Pitch. I didn't realise it didn't feel like nine minutes. I can't believe that was nine minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah good yeah. video as well. I, I yeah. didn't, I didn't um, think that when I was uh, listening to it. I didn't notice anything ooh. being overly long, which yeah. you know, occasionally do kind of, God, is this not finished yet? Yeah, and the first couple of tracks. <laughs> Rolling Stones of, comes back to mind yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> that was the whole album. But uh, <laughs> that that was the track for me and I wanted more stuff like that the vibe I got from it was it's a little bit it's a little bit Disney do you know like what song I thought it would sound like oh, yeah. do you know in Toy Story 2 where Jessie uh, she has a flashback and the, it's just got a sad piano music it's oh, sort yeah. of like that sort of Disney Pixar sort of vibe song, yeah, yeah, singer yeah, song yeah, yeah. stuff yeah, which yeah. I quite like to be fair so I did did quite enjoy it yeah 
I'm trying to think. I can't remember off the top. I've forgotten the guy that wrote that. Randy Newman. Yeah. Wrote yeah. that song yeah. that you're talking yeah. about. He has an album on this top 500 Does list, he? so that might be interesting when, when we get to that. Somebody loved me. I love, yeah. that love Randy Newman. Yeah, yeah. 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 So who sang that? Can't remember yeah. who sang that on that soundtrack. I'm not sure. It's on my playlist though as well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good, I like that. That's a good. T- I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's that. That is a good sort mm. of reference point. I mean, it's a compliment. Really, it's a good song. Yeah. Oh, I was. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I took it as a yeah. compliment. Yeah. I, I, I took it that you meant it as a compliment. Yeah. No, I think that's a really, that's a really Sorry. touching mm. and beautiful moment in the in what is a very good movie as well. <laughs> is that all our favourite song then on the album? That was mine. I mean, I, I lo- that wasn't for me. I think still standout for me was the uh, the Mariner's apartment complex, probably because I knew it um, quite well already. That one. That What's was the, the singles? That was the single. That was what. That was one of the singles. Is doing time a single? I don't think so. Um, oh. I was probably a little bit distracted whilst I was listening to this. I was. I had it. I, I have most of the time. I've been listening to these albums when I've had a bit more chance to pay attention to them. Mm. Was this one? I had it on whilst I was doing some other things. So I was a little bit more distracted, Martin, not necessarily so to its detriment. I know, <laughs> oh, so much on, um, but uh, yeah, but say so. I, I didn't pay as much uh, attention as I might have done to other albums, uh, which is possibly to its detriment. But that didn't reduce my enjoyment, if that makes sense. It kind of, mm. it was good like that, and, and I was it's aware. It's like a party album, isn't it? With that sort of vibe. It yeah. is, although I think again, you could kind of put this on. I mean, I, 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 I have to as well concede that I clearly have, uh, I, I clearly like female singer-songwriters because mm. I very rarely don't like anything. Mm. It doesn't even matter what genre it is most of the time. It's like, okay, if this is a female, solo female vocalist <laughs> doing something, I'm going to go, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about that that you like, Martin? Do you like uh, Phoebe Bridges? Got a bit of that sort of yeah, vibe as well. Yeah, Phoebe Bridges. Yeah, like absolutely. Her, yeah. I think it, I, for me, it was like the, the universe works in funny ways because, as we all know, this studio in the last two months has been playing, as we're all fans, uh, a lot of um, trip hop. Mm. Yeah. Massive Attack, Portishead, who mm. uh, yep. Martin loves. And there were so many times that, like, um, doing time it went into it and I was like mm. oh this is mm. cinematic wow mm. great 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 mm. and I was like yeah trip hop and then it came then back to like a more of a piano ballad mm. and I'm with you if it stayed on that vibe of yeah. uh, doing time it was like a, an amazing album for me yeah. I thought there was one too many ballads for me yeah, yeah. Um, but lyrically it was very deep but for me yeah that's why it wasn't the most it wasn't my favourite album mm. But yeah, I just wish it stayed on. There's only so much you can do with vocals and piano, vibe. isn't there? Yeah, and she's got great yeah. voice. She's very cinematic. If you were like, you know, a music supervisor for for a psychological thrilling movie, mm. put, go and like get this album and 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 sync these songs on it yeah. because it, it they do massively take you to a place. And some of the music videos, I don't know if you saw, they were mm. they were really cool. And the music kind of suits that cinematic feel. Like you know, mm. you thought Disney, my. It kind of lends itself to, to film. But yeah, I just thought there was one too many ballads. Out of the yeah. ballads, my favourite was Happiness is a Butterfly. Uh-huh. I also thought that was quite a nice title. But um, yeah, that would be my one thing from a personal level. I would have liked to hear a bit more sort of... I think we like doing time, the drum... It was like a... Yeah. It was quite clearly just a drum loop, I, I think. And it was just... 
But then it's a bit more back vibe. That, back paddy kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like is that, that the yeah. appeal then of production choices over uh, songwriting choices? Like it's uh, that that element of variety, the the production choice that's made in terms of how the arrangement's been done, rather than the melody song. Like I said, the piano. I suppose you know that. If you're taking, well, I guess what I'm saying is, if you're taking some of those piano ballads and created a production process that was a bit more in line with that sort of trip hop yeah, type suppose. thing yeah. would, would, they, would that then have been more appealing for me yes yeah definitely, definitely. And, and that doing time it isn't earworm anyway because you, you know the main hook because you've heard that she's ripped yeah. it off from summertime yeah, 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 yeah. so you know that anyway so you're instantly in but I do love that production on it as well yeah but I'm yeah I mean it always we, we, we always raise the same questions on this pod uh, it's what do you like what do you kind of want from an album and I suppose yeah. actually this I think we probably I probably contradict myself every week but I think this I felt like I wanted a little bit more production and yeah. less yeah. just straight up of the ballads yeah. but then you know people be listening to us be like yeah but that's what she wants that's what that's what she's all about as an artist you know um, and, and she probably had a clear message to sing about but it's just a personal mm. just yeah. a personal thing I suppose so a few more upbeat tracks on there I think I would have really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair to say she's not an upbeat. No, because um, I think, yeah, yeah. That's not what she does. I'm, okay, trying, okay. I'm trying to think of a Lana Del Rey song that here we go. That's a bop. Or yeah. maybe not a bop, but just <laughs> like, I think we just, just a bit more I don't think that's like, what she does. Just a bit more, I suppose just a more bit. Drums, more, drums. Yeah. more drums. Yeah. More drums. More drums. Um, that's all I want. Yeah. Because <laughs> you look at like an Adele you know who you associate yeah. with the huge ballads but you know she then throws Although, in like a rolling in the deep yeah I was like going to say whatever, that's, that's a know. good that's a great example of the sort of thing that Adele will do that sort yeah. of track yeah. whereas I don't I can't recall a Lana Del Rey track that would be of equivalence well, but it's got the it's got the vibe of like mm. like we were saying like cinematic and you yeah. feel like yeah it wouldn't uh, there was a couple of times I was like I, I flicked through the song and I was like, oh, it's just, it's just ballad the whole way through. And it feels like, because her voice is, I think her voice is fantastic. She's got an mm. amazing voice. I was like, if I was the producer, I'd just really be crying out to experiment with mm. some production mm. around it. Has she but, got much range? You know, so talking about Adele, which obviously goes to like the highest of the highest. Yeah. This felt very in the in middle. In the same sort of... She didn't really push. I'm not, I mean, yeah. I'm not familiar with I mean this is her sixth album and it's the one that's hit the hit the list and as we've already heard people like Elton John saying this is like absolute classic songwriting it feels that as a songwriter and as an artist she's grown over over time from because I think when she first hit there was a bit of a I mean I know she won like you said she won those critics awards yeah. but there was also yeah. a little bit of a is this is, is it all a front is it a bit of a fake um, you know who is Lana Del Rey really? Because it's uh, that's not her real name from the start. Mm. I think it's kind of is it putting on a is it putting on a front music that she'd had out before that was very different. Not having listened to all of the albums up to the sixth one, but I get the feeling that they won't drift very far from that format. Okay. I don't think this might be the best of them, mm. um, but I don't think there's there's not a different sonic sound on any of on the other albums. No. I don't think. I think it's just the songwriting's getting better. And maybe the production is getting better, but I don't. I don't think she's done a dance album yet. No, or a, re like or a reggae, or a reggae yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like, yeah, that's what you're going to get if you if you like this one and you go and listen to anything else by Lana Del Rey. It's going to be pretty much more of the same. Fair play, mm. I think. No, I think you're right. But she definitely felt it felt like even when we got her last week, I was like, 
and maybe maybe I'm just not my ear wasn't down to the ground with commercial music but I kind of thought oh god Lana Del Rey yeah what's happened to her she really blew onto the scene 2012 2013 yeah and then dipped away but then I read one review on this and they seemed to think that this was yeah the the standout album and her her absolute peak mm. yeah so yeah it feels like it's like never gone away like you said kind of blew onto the scene and everyone was aware and then she's just been doing her thing yeah in the background not even in the background I think it's like she's just been doing her thing for the last 10 years and go oh right oh yeah you're just getting better and better and, that, and now you're one of these yeah. artists that's been around for 10 years you're like has oh, she, has she got like that's a, as long as Taylor Swift's quick. been around right yeah. yeah has she got I feel like Taylor Swift's got songs that like everyone knows straight away I don't think Lauren Del Rey has she got them absolutely like classic bangers that people know a lot of the tip of their tongue no, I think I when, think she hit, when she hit the scene first, it got video games. I think was a bit was a big yeah. uh, sort of everywhere, everywhere hit. I can't remember because you'd know it. That was her big. That was we could little... do our version of it. We can't. Yeah. Remember, we, we, we we might get blocked if we put the original. <laughs> <one>. Yeah, <laughs> you'd recognise. But there's another one on that first album that she had. Uh, I can't remember the name, and I won't bore everyone. Was it born, born to die as well? Wasn't oh yeah, that, the actual that title track, track yeah. potentially. Got a call from Mars this morning. Maybe we were born to die. Oh yeah, this was a worry. Bill, 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 what's the what's the album title? And I said, Norm fucking Rockwell. And he thought it was, uh, he thought he listened to the wrong one, didn't he? Yeah, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I, I, I was listening to Norman fucking Rockwell. And then I suddenly thought, was this in the top 500? So I thought, that must have been born to die. Um, but, but yeah, which I imagine was going to be in the 500 as well. Well, she got another one? Uh, no, I think that oh, this, this, is the, this is the only one, yeah. Wow, okay, see, I just... I'd be surprised you had two just for... Right, that was Lana Del Rey's. Uh, I'll say this for the last time. Should I put beeps on this? Would that be funny or not? So, only on every few of them. Rockwell. Yeah. <laughs> every time. You have to put or eighteen a, plus a, now in the description. A duck, a duck quacking. <laughs> you have to put eighteen plus now in the description. Explicit. Doing little kids now saying yeah. I learnt the f word from those Apollo idiots. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Stars out of five. I One, think we should two, get a little three we should, or five. We should do it, yeah. No, yeah. but we should like so so Martin has to explain what yeah, yeah, one yeah. to five is each time. We should <laughs> I feel have it here. So okay, two. <laughs> what's the, the one where you would Yeah, <laughs> anyway. What's two again? <laughs> what you know, two is uh, it's okay if you like this sort of thing. Yeah. I'm gonna go but, three. That, for, to for, me that's for, the sort of the, a, if you if you like the sort of female singer songwriter torch song type of Lana Del Rey thing, then you should definitely listen to this one. Or put it another way, if you like Lana Del Rey, you should definitely listen to this one, right? If you don't like Lana Del Rey, you're gonna hate this album. But that's that's kind of where I'm looking at too. Whereas a three would be like, yeah, you know, I know you might not really think that you like this, but it's worth a go. And four would be yeah, you should probably listen to this because I think you might like it. And five is, listen, this is one of the best albums of all time. I don't care whether you like Lana Del Rey or not. You should listen to this album because yeah. it's great. If you it didn't it's that have... person that gets in your car and then like, do you have a aux cable? You go, yeah, let me just play this news. And, and you know what I mean? They, you, they make you listen yeah, to their yeah, music. Yeah. That's a five. Yeah. yeah. When they just make you and you're yeah. like, I didn't really want to listen to music. I was happy with, <laughs> I was happy with talk sport, but okay. Um, yeah, I agree. If you didn't have Doing Time on there, I think it'd be a two. I'm going to say oh, okay. for Doing Time, which was definitely my favourite, mm. Venice Bitch, uh, How to Disappear, because that was quite cinematic and classic. Almost that was one thing I didn't say. You, uh, what I did like about her, she's got quite a classic voice in terms yep. of if I played one of her un unknown songs to you and said to you, what era do you think this song was released? I wouldn't be surprised if someone said, God, that sounds like a singer from like the 50s or the mm. 60s. You know what mm. I mean? Sometimes mm. her tone was quite uh, nostalgic. So I like yeah. that. Um and I like that happiness is a butterfly. So for that, but mostly for doing that, I'm going to go for a three. 
Okay. I think I agree. Middle of the road. You? She's a female singer songwriter. It's got to be a five. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's nearly how it works. Um, I think I'm going to go a three as well. Nine out of 15. Doesn't quite reach double figures. Mm. I don't know. I really, I, really, I really like this, but not to the extent... I don't know, I can't just, I, I, it's something I can easily listen to, but not something that I would necessarily feel like I have to own or listen to again or, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing. Okay, yeah. I'm glad that Lana Del Rey exists. Mm. <laughs> but, but you're not gagging to listen I'm not, to it I'm again. not desperately waiting for the next album by Lana Del Rey sort no. of thing. It's like, there's, okay, Lana Del Rey albums already exist. Mm. And that's good. I hope the next one is really good, but I'm not waiting desperately. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> Put that as a title. <laughs> that's good. Put that in your sparkers market. Uh, okay, that is our uh, albums done for this week. Ooh. So that was uh, two. Here you guys. Uh, okay, so yes, now we need to select our uh, next uh, two albums. Top 50, yeah. Next, you ready? Next time. Yeah. Let's go. 83. Let's get in there. Number oh that's nice a top hundred album we've not had a top one hundred for a little while. Dusty Springfield, oh female singer songwriter. <laughs> nice, nice songwriter. Uh, Dusty in Memphis is the album by Dusty Springfield. <laughs> is it a lady? Dusty Springfield is a lady. You know Dusty Springfield, son of a preacher man. Oh, the only one we <laughs> Billy's already happy, uh, <laughs> happy as a pig in. <laughs> you can say what, it on this podcast as well. <laughs> what album? Sorry, Martin. Uh, Dusty in Memphis is that one recorded at the American Sound Studio in Memphis. Vocals and orchestral parts recorded at Atlantic Records New York City Studios, released on the 18th of January 1969. You got "Son of a Preacher Man" as the hit from there. To be fair. Is that the hit from there? Is it? Oh, yeah. yeah, top ten. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that is possibly one. That, that's possibly her most most famous yes. song. Yes. Uh, so yeah, you know, classic, highly regarded uh, vocal artist <laughs> from the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's our first album for next week. Is um, "Dusty in Memphis" by Dusty Springfield. Ready for the next one? Yeah, Shoot. let's go for our second one. Two hundred forty-three. Ooh, just under half. Just under half. Two, four, three. Mm. Oh, okay. Maybe this is the opportunity to get uh, Paul Jones in to talk about the zombies and Odyssey and Oracle. Blank expressions all round. <laughs> 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 I don't know a thing which so, I completely understand wait, wait for this one then Billy the Zombies are an English rock band formed yeah. in the early 60s yeah. in St Albans what? they're from St Albans I've never heard of them <laughs> the group had a British and American hit in 1964 with She's Not There She's Not There don't think that's quite how it goes that's <laughs> near enough yeah so we're literally talking local boys what so was the album did you, the say both, did you say 70s or the 60s the zombies uh, album this one was released on the 19th of April 1968 it's called Odyssey and Oracle and is the second studio album by the zombies two albums from the 60s right we both we all have to come in in flares <laughs> yeah we're very much well we're within about a year of each other aren't we that's 69 68 yeah yeah, yeah. Come in flares and flowery shirts. Nothing I recognise on this, but yeah, the the zombies are very much uh, local to us uh, mm. here. Sort of 
historic Damn, act. There's better music in the 60s than these two, isn't there? I, I mean, I think so, yeah. I think that's fair to say. Excited for next week. <laughs> what number roughly was um, Dusty Springfield? 83. 84, 83. She's done well. Well done, Dusty. Well done, Dusty. <laughs> she's, done, she's done all right for well a done, Dusty. I mean, dead, but apart from that, <laughs> she did. <laughs> she's dead. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> she's not dead. <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> she's gone. Brilliant. Okay, guys, thank you very much indeed. Thank uh, you Martin. again. Uh, if she's you uh, want to get in touch with the podcast, please do. You can do at apolloaudiopod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the tracks follow us on the uh, relevant places if you're liking this please like subscribe and leave us a review and just bye. for that well done bye, bye. <laughs>